0: These hospital administrators need to be confronted and they need to be told in no uncertain terms in our community you will no longer kill any more of our citizens. You will be held accountable for every past and current and future death in every community it needs to get to that and then of course uh, these hospitals need to be litigated out of existence for what for the crimes they've already committed. i gonna say those who survive the coming uh, tribulations, if you will, are gonna look back on these years and they're gonna be able to tell their their kids, grandkids, well, I fought the good fight and I didn't succumb to the mind control.
1: Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z-Stack, a powerful immunity-building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Quercetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop.
2: Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have an important show today. I have a lot of important shows, but this one is another one that lays out the complete fraudulent medical care system and how they did this, how they were able to motivate all these medical systems and doctors and intimidate, frankly, doctors to do this death protocol that we have going on and the windfall of money that these hospitals have come into because of it. And I want to warn people because this is not just happening with the medical system. This is how they're implementing Agenda 2030. They're doing a money pay scheme to the cities, to all the institutions. If they do not do what they want them to do to implement agenda 2030, they won't get the money they need to keep you know, funding themselves or they won't have the big payola scheme that they need, or I don't know if they need it or they want it. And so in this case, this is what happens. This is the beast system. I want to play another little clip that Bobby Bounds, this is who I interviewed, he's just great. He's a hospital and past hospital analyst so he has the experience and he's been working with the government of New Mexico to get actual records. This guy is great and he did a ton of analysis. And these are the people that we need out there providing data to attorneys and to the public so that people start to really understand what has been going on and why we need to dismantle it. But listen to this clip. You know, how much money did they get for each person that died?
0: Well, the money came from multiple sources, government programs such as uh, CARES Act, and then Medicare had massive amounts of money uh, for every COVID admission in New Mexico. It was uh, $171,000. And then, you know, if you vented them, that was another 30 grand. And, you know, if you gave them remdesivir, you got a 20% bonus on the entire ticket.
2: That is the size of the money that at least the hospitals in New Mexico are getting. I know it is a scheme that's happening all over the country, and we have to get to the bottom of it. The COVID narrative is unraveling. It's falling apart in front of their eyes. The problem, though, is we have this big pay scheme that we have to unravel because this beast system is still in place. And if we don't get rid of it, we're going to have the same problems when it comes to the economic reset, when it comes to all these Agenda 2030 items. We have to dismantle how they're going about doing these pay schemes on our institutions. I'm sure if you go and you look at these university systems, we're going to see some of these same pay schemes and cities that are implementing this. We're going to see the same pay schemes, and we have to get to the bottom of it. The sad part is... This money they're using is our taxpayer money. So we're they're using our money to kill us and to enslave us and to hose us over. That's why we have to put an end to it. I have a clip here from an editor of the New York Times. And, you know, we don't want to make fun of anybody that has died from these vaccines. It's not pleasant if anyone dies. But this person, I want to air because this person, he got his booster shot His name is Carlos Tejada, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And he put out this crummy little video commercial right after he got his booster shot. And then the next day he died. Listen to this commercial.
0: I've just had my third shot. A booster, they call it. How many more are they gonna make us get? Don't know, don't care. Because I, like you probably, understand there is a global pandemic and people much, much smarter than you and me have decided this is the best plan of action to avoid lots more people
2: dying or cluttering up hospital hallways. You and I, we're doing our part
0: by getting one more little prick and not being one. And then
2: we see that he died. And this is a people who can see this on video, you see the Twitter announcement from his wife that he unfortunately died. But these people need to wake up. I mean, what more do they need to see when it comes to how damaging these things are? It's just crazy. But I want to tell you, this is a long conversation, long interview. It's a two-parter. I was going to put part of it because it gets into the, some of the weeds with the data. And I was going to put part of it up on sarahwessell.tv and Ebeneer, and I decided I'm just going to air the whole thing, and it's going to be in two parts because it's just so important that people hear the facts and what's really going on because this is the behind the scene, This is the meat of how they committed this fraud. So I hope you listen to the whole thing and you share this and that this kind of information gets out there and, and people start to really let it soak in how they're doing this, because this is what we need to dismantle. But before I get into it, I want to remind you about the last show that I did with Daniel Sashkoff from Bastion, and that system is a way to get around if they decide to take down the Internet communications, it is a way to get around that problem. And in Kazakhstan, they did shut down the internet and the people on the street were able to still communicate using bastion and so listen to that uh show and go and sign up and when you sign up make sure you click like on my video because i'm trying to grow my presence there too but go there sign up download the app and get ready because if they shut down communications when they do this economic reset or any other games that they definitely have planned, you will be ready and you'll at least be able to communicate. Yes, there are satellite phones and there's different options. You know, satellite internet is a great option, but this is a free option for you. And we should all be ready with this, with a free option like this. It's such a great, great thing that they built this. So look for my last show with, uh, you know, preparing for a communication shutdown and get signed up for Bastion. I'll have the link below as well. If you've already heard the show but you didn't sign up yet, I'll have the link below here. And I also have Bobby Bounds, his website. He didn't have it set up at the time of this interview, but it is set up now. And the website is demandevidence.us. And it's so fitting because, yeah, we need to have this evidence and we need to get it out everywhere. Okay. One last thing. Remember to sign up for my newsletter at SarahWestall.com. I keep pushing it. Share that newsletter with others and hopefully they'll sign up as well. And while you're there, please support my affiliates. That's how I keep my, my show going and support what I do and how I feed my family and pay my rent and everything while well, my mortgage and everything else. So, okay, let's get into this important conversation with Bobby Bounds. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Sarah.
2: I'm really glad that you're joining us. It's great to have somebody that has actual hospital analysis experience who I can talk to about these COVID numbers that are coming out of the government and showing that they're bogus. And you also had an opportunity to talk to other people who've been working diligently, analysts, who can confirm and added to your data too. So I'm really, I'm happy that you're here today. Can you first talk overview what you have for us and what you're gonna be showing?
0: Yes, you know, uh, I, um, it, I think this is a big week. Uh, you probably have, are aware of the, uh, the mainstream narrative. People are coming out and admitting to massive exaggeration <laughs> of the COVID data. The CDC director, as you know, got up there and admitted to a 75% or greater inflation of the COVID death data. The governor of New New York uh, admitted to 42% of all inpatient, in-hospital COVID patients are are in there for something else. And, you know, uh, somewhat uh, related but different, the the chief of the, uh, the CEO of Pfizer admitted on video that the first two jabs didn't work. But if you take the booster, that's what you need.
2: Exactly. It's ridiculous. So well, they-, they have to admit that, but they have to admit that what's happening in the hospital isn't COVID now because it's actually vaccine injury and it's coming up in all different, it's not, uh, it's not what a normal flu you know, the symptoms of a normal flu, the heart attacks and strokes and all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some moving parts to it. And uh, so it gets a little bit, you get a little bit in the weeds, but you know, the, the, the overarching situation uh, that we're seeing this week is the, uh, the, the mainstream narrative is, has collapsed. And I think what's going to happen in the coming uh, days, weeks, and months is, it's gonna come out that they exaggerated even more than what they're admitting yep. to today.
2: Yep, and the the question is, why did they exaggerate? And this is that's where the crux of all this is and what they caused because of their exaggeration. But and please go on with your analysis. This is why you're here. Yeah. This is excellent information,
0: people. Right, so I have a background in uh, systems analysis uh, data warehouse development uh, in large hospitals in New Mexico in prior years. And so I've worked inside large hospitals. And when all of this started happening uh, late last year, I had some time on my hands uh, because I had to shut my business down due to the events of 2020, the uh, societal shutdown, what have you. So I I was up in the mountains uh, in my office in the trees. And I thought to myself, you know, I can help in this area by uh, requesting Department of Health data from different states and then getting text file downloads of codified data and uh, turning it into a readable report that, you know, a judge or a jury uh, or any lay person can, you know, that's sorted and grouped and filtered and paginated and so forth. So that's That was what started my efforts, uh, thinking I could help in that regard. But when you spend uh, dozens and hundreds of hours looking at the data, uh, you start to see patterns and trends that stick out like a sore thumb. And that led me to interviewing nurses and other healthcare professionals in two different states, uh, actually three, at least three, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. And also, yeah, also Ohio and Nevada as well. But um, all of this led to uh, an awareness of how. uh, See, when I when I first got into this, I was a blank slate. I didn't know if the data where it would lead me. I was open to it going either way. Yes, the government and the healthcare establishment is more or less accurate or they're not. So as the data was was, um, assembled, it became quite evident that not only were the COVID numbers exaggerated, they were massively inflated at a level that goes beyond civil fraud, goes beyond incompetence, organizational incompetence. It was criminally fraudulent, Exaggeration in New Mexico, conservatively, by reading death certificates, and I'll get into this in a minute. By by, re, I've read every death certificate in New Mexico for 2020 marked COVID, and you can tell by the under in the cause of death section, the ICD-10 codes uh, that the physician fills out at the time of death are supposed to be uh, put onto the death certificate to give researchers and whomever comes along later an idea as to what events, what medical events in this person's body led to their ultimate demise. And they have uh, a term called uh, UCOD, U-C-O-D, underlying cause of death. So in New Mexico for 2020, the medical establishment along with the Department of Health, claimed about 3,000 deaths out of a population of about 2 million. 3,000 COVID deaths. So I read every one and by even a lay person can look at these causes of death and come up with a, a an idea as to whether the, it was a legitimate upper respiratory infection or not. And so... Uh, a legitimate what I call direct cause COVID death has ICD codes such as ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, pneumonia, but not bacterial pneumonia, viral pneumonia, and other codes that, that would uh, lead one to believe that this was a reasonable COVID death, a person who succumbed uh, due to symptoms from an upper respiratory infection, pro- maybe COVID, probably COVID, we don't know, but um, So for, for those death certificates marked up in that manner, we put that in the legit column. The other deaths, the death certificate indicates clearly that COVID had nothing to do with the demise of this individual. Most of those were extremely elderly, unwell um, for COVID.
2: They would have died anyways. Yeah. They were ready to go.
0: Right. So they were
2: 97, it, had all these other ailments and whatever. Right. Now, the interesting thing that you have with this, and I want you to continue with your analysis, but you also went through and you looked at the money that they all got, all these different organizations received, and how it aligns with the mandates they put in place that incented these guys to do this. So it was essentially a top-down organized event based on government mandates and money being doled out to everybody.
0: It 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 has the it comes across to me as like a massive payola operation. So like in 2020, when this first started happening, you would think. That the medical professionals in your community would start to speak up and say, "Wait a second, we're not. This is not matching what we're seeing on the nightly news versus what we have in our, you know, in our, uh, yeah, our, our offices." But everybody got a piece of the action, and I've got a report which I had sent you uh, earlier that shows, for any given city or county, n- it actually names the company including the large hospitals, but all the way down to dental offices, uh, ophthalmology, any, any company that had any association to the medical field got in on the action. And we're talking um, uh, uh, extended care facilities, they got a bunch of money. Testing labs, they got a bunch of money. I mean, hundreds of thousands each. And it goes right on down to the lowliest, you know, know, sole sole practitioner, medical doctor, or physical therapist. They all got tens of thousands at least.
2: And they got this money by following specific mandates. And if they didn't follow those mandates, they probably wouldn't have gotten this money. And so blowing the whistle, like we expect them to do, would have lost this whole money charade that they are taking advantage of.
0: Right, and and as you recall, back in the mid-2020, mid everybody was reading from the same page and nobody understood how could all these different uh, private organizations, along with the governments all around city, state, county governments, how could they all be acting in unison? Well, it's because it's because behind the scenes they were getting bribes and uh, and the paperwork for filling out the forms for obtaining the funding uh like you said bound them to specific uh, behaviors you know so, you know you must adhere to the math social distancing and all of this
2: well and the other thing that's so disturbing is they were willing to allow people to die. They knew that there were treatments that worked like Ivermectin and so forth, but that wasn't part of their payout program. So because it wasn't part of their payout program, they were only doing the protocols that up the odds of people dying. And I know I'm coming to conclusions that, you know, but I think the data shows this because the protocols cause massive death and massive payouts. And if they use the protocols like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or any of those protocols, they wouldn't get paid.
0: Right. And in my interviewing, right. In my interviewing of nurses, uh, you know, that was, uh, I established that as well, you know, so.
2: What did the nurses say? I, I assume they were just distraught because they don't get paid for this. They just have to follow orders and they're being told to do things that are causing people to die. They don't get a dime from this other than keeping their job. I, I it, it must be soul, you know, I mean, it, it's soul crushing for
0: people. I interviewed a nurse in New Mexico who'd been on the COVID floor for a year and finally for her own sanity had to quit. And she saw all of it and all of the ludicrous uh, activities engaged, all of this ridiculous germ disease control measures with all of the gowning and masking in the hospital. And, and uh, it was out of control. And also, she tells me stories of patients in Taos, New Mexico, which is uh, 7,500 feet. Who have become ill and were ventilated with maximum pressure. And the, the decision was made to transport them to Albuquerque to a hospital there. And they life flighted them, which, as soon as they put them in the helicopter with the ventilator running, and w- uh, they're already up high in altitude, and they go another 3,000 feet, and the decrease in cabin pressure, oh. well, the helicopter's not pressure. Uh, but that, that sure. additional 3,000 feet caused the alveoli in their lungs to rupture. And you, to, here you have a sick person that you have just killed. And their face, before they die, their face puffs out. It, it, you know, it looks like oh. their face is a balloon and they can barely see through their eyes. And they land in Albuquerque and they put a video conference call together with their loved ones. And they have to say goodbye and their loved ones are looking through the camera, you know, looking through the computer screen or whatever, saying goodbye to their, their loved one who has just been killed by yes. faulty uh, hospital protocols. And this didn't happen just once. This was multiple and it, and it was a 100% death rate. As soon as you put somebody in a helicopter, that's it.
2: That, yeah, it's kind of like when people tell me their loved one is in on a ventilator, I go, well, they just killed them. It's, it's almost a hundred percent with that as well. And I actually, I say, if you go to the hospital, they're dead. I mean, I, that's not necessarily true. Cause I've heard stories of people coming out of the hospital with COVID who are older and made it, but I'm telling you it is really rare or it's not, should I should say, I'm telling you, it's really common that if they're in the hospital with COVID, especially if they're older, they're going to die.
0: Well, my objective from the beginning was to, was to quantitatively ascertain the legitimate death rate from what's been come to be known as COVID-19. And that has been my primary objective. And as such, I need to know all the variables. So if the hospital through their faulty protocols or or over-prescribing meds or negligence caused the the demise of the patient. That wasn't a COVID death.
2: No, it wasn't. That's exactly right.
0: That person, that person would have still been alive today had they not gone to the hospital. And, and so I know, that's that, so sad. That, that's not a COVID death. So we have to subtract that from the calculations.
2: Now, did you do this kind of work before? Like I, I know that. Well, you didn't really have to. I mean, this wasn't the kind of work that you were expected to. I mean, this this is the first time in history where hospitals essentially just killed people based on, you know, the mandates and the payouts. Is this, were you just floored when you saw this? Because I know you were a hospital administrator. You saw all this data before, not quite like this, but, you know, you, you, would, you saw stuff I mean, what went through your mind as you started realizing what you were looking at?
0: From a financial point of view, hospitals have been crooked for decades. And 15 years ago, roughly 20 years ago, hospitals used to have real good quality administrative people that were good human beings. And due to Government intervention, regulations, and and other economic forces, the good people started to be pushed out of the big hospitals, and it, almost a criminal element, you know, ruthless business people. Let's call them, ended up taking over, buying out groups of hospitals, and so I would say very rough characterization of hospitals in the last 20 years is they've, uh, they've all become ruthless, uh, you know, uh, greedy corporations without any, uh, with, with much lower consideration for the human condition.
2: If you were a conspiracy theorist, is this the conditions that they'd have to set up ahead of time to, for this phenomenon to happen?
0: Well, you know, with Medicare and the way hospitals are funded, and uh, with with the systemic issues of healthcare in the United States over the decades, you can—that's a long conversation that I'm not qualified to really be part of. But I would say, from what I know, is that um, hospitals have been doing have been cooking the books a long time. You know, you know what Medicare fraud? Have you known much about that? Yep. So. But you know what upcoding is? No. So it's highly illegal, and it's been going on for decades. And if a hospital is caught doing it, they're in a lot of trouble. But they take a patient who comes in for a certain problem, and it say the say the treatment pays out at um, fifteen hundred dollars. But there's a there's another treatment that's real similar for that condition but medically a little bit different but it pays out fifty seven hundred dollars they're going to upcode. that makes sense the, ch- the chart and use the code for the procedure that pays a lot more
2: would that change their procedure did they did would they essentially use the, the proper procedure or were they already primed to doing whatever pays them the most? right they,
0: they committed fraud
2: even if it's not what the right
0: they committed fraud, they they did procedure A, but they billed out procedure B, which paid a lot more.
2: Okay. So they at least did the right procedure, which as bad as that is, it it's they weren't killing the person. Now we're seeing well, them like... go ahead.
0: No, yeah, I, I like to say that COVID is like the ultimate Medicare fraud, and Medicare was in on it.
2: Because now they're not only just doing the cooking the books they're actually doing the procedures that are mandated that would kill people
0: yeah a cartoon came across my inbox yesterday an old larson cartoon where a patient sitting on the examination table with an arrow through the side of his head and the the doctor's looking at him and says well it looks like you have an arrow stuck in your head but until we run a covid test we can't be sure
2: (laughs) That's terrible. That's funny, but that's true. That's it's, it's not at all. We have to laugh at times. It's not funny if you have a level one, that's going to die in the hospital, but it's funny because we have to laugh sometimes because this is so bad. Right. Okay. So what other numbers did you see? Cause I know you talked to, uh, see, what was her name? PJ that Talked to Del Big, Bigtree, and you guys had hours of conversation because your data all aligned up, and I was so intrigued by her, her conversation. But then you had even more that backed up. You guys backed up each other with different information, and I find that as so great because lawyers can actually use your information, the combination of what both of you came up with, to take these guys to task. Um, so what did you come up with that? really between the two of you when you talk for those hours that you weren't aware of and that it just is phenomenal information for attorneys.
0: Right. So A.J. Dupree is part of a group in Tennessee and they've been advocating for patients. They've literally used the sheriff, I think, and gone in and extricated critical care patients that were medically kidnapped Inside of the hospitals, who were di- begging to get out, but the hospital wouldn't let them out, and they literally went in there and physically have removed patients, uh, almost using with sport. the sheriff's. Yeah, right. Um, and so th- the that is one brave person, and her and her crew doing uh, that kind of work. And you know, a COVID patient who's been medically kidnapped is laying. A helpless bound to the gurney many times and sedated out of their mind. They're, they're absolutely blasted with the high powered uh, sedatives they give them. And, uh, many times, uh, those, those patients don't need that extensive level of treatment. And well,
2: they just need some basic protocols that we know work now. And they haven't been giving him that. My fa- my sister's father-in-law just died. He had COVID. He ended up not dying of COVID. They claim they cured him of COVID, but he ended up dying anyways, because they killed him, curing him of COVID. And I said, as soon as they put him in the hospital and then he got on the ventilator, I said, he's dead. I'm sorry. But while he had COVID, supposedly, nobody could see him. Like they. So none of it, and his, his son was a doctor, his daughter-in-law is a doctor and his other daughter-in-law is a nurse practitioner and nobody could see him because, and they were beside themselves. They couldn't do anything about it. And I'm like, and they were, the thing that bothers me so much is that people, I, first thing I said, you, you got to get lawyers in on this. You got to get them out of there. They were too scared. They're so passive. They're afraid because of their own situation it's their own that's their father i mean they're putting people into this situation where people aren't used to fighting the system they're not you know i've been into legal lawsuits i've i've been pushed against the wall to the point where i've been stretched right and so I, i would go in there fighting like i i i don't care i'm gonna fight but a lot of people have never been put into those situations where they need that law enforcement like what you're saying that um she's doing with the sheriffs, dragging these people out of the hospitals, that takes courage, but we need a lot more people showing that kind of courage. There's a lot more things that are going to be coming up here based on different issues other than COVID, and we need people showing ready to fight.
0: Right, these hospital administrators need to be confronted, and they need to be told in no uncertain terms, in our community, you will no longer kill any more of our citizens you will be held accountable for every past and current and future death. You will uh, agree to be audited, that you followed protocols that were sensible and utilized all the best uh, uh, therapies, treatments available that are currently known and that the doctors are not to be restricted in anything that they feel like uh, would benefit the patient. And it really, in every community, it needs to get to that, and then of course, uh, these hospitals need to be litigated out of existence for what for the crimes they've already committed.
2: Well, and and it's not the the government is mandating as the proper protocol because these geniuses have been proven to be mandating death protocols. We need the protocols that the experts around the world, you know, Zelenko and Dr. Malone and you know, all these doctors that are out there with these, Dr. Joe Newsma, which I have on my page, all these doctors that have proven protocols have been doing, that's what needs to be used. There are doctors that haven't lost any patients. They've been treating thousands of patients and they're still being ignored because of the money and the money trail you have proven, you have that proof. And so we could nail all of these hospitals.
0: Yeah, I think it was Dr. Tenpenny or someone like that commented recently that hospitals have become like they were in the 1400s in the dark ages where you don't go there to get any help or treatment. They just go there, that's where you go to die. And so, you know, when it comes to COVID and how things are happening in the hospitals uh the best thing to do is stay the hell away from you know
2: i agree 100 percent. yeah stay the hell away and the sad part is though is that people are staying away when maybe they could the hospital could benefit them if they use the proper protocols you know if they needed an iv or something to get in Uh, vitamin D in liquid form and all these things, because they urgently needed these minerals, vitamins and minerals, or the liquid that they needed. But these assholes, I'm sorry, everybody for swearing, these jerks, (laughs) they are killing them, and they won't give it to them. So it's a sad situation, because people sometimes need that extra support.
0: Right. You know, I, I live in New Mexico, and I have a business in West Texas, in Midland Odessa area and you may have heard the story in the Odessa hospital a few months ago where a woman takes her teenage daughter in for treatment and they put a plastic cleaning bag over her head while she sat in a wheelchair in the hallway
2: oh my god
0: uh, I don't know if you saw that but
2: I did not and what happened
0: well there were photographs that you know that went viral and the they, they literally, when they're moving the patient down the hall, they don't want the patient to breathe on anybody. So they take a like essentially a dry cleaning bag and put it over their head and all the way over their torso and down to their knees as they sit in the wheelchair and the patient already has a mask on. And when, when confronted about this behavior, The hospital said, well, we we don't leave the bag on for more than 30 minutes. (laughs) Oh, my God. um, Imagine knowing what anybody knows about plastic bags is the minute it goes over your head, you're starting to rebreathe your own carbon dioxide and oxygen levels are going to drop like precipitously. And And this is
2: somebody who's sick you know they're very ill that's why they're there you morons
0: well i i think this is all true and this is all documented and it speaks to the extent of the psychosis or neurosis whatever of the hospital people that they how can any human being think that it's okay to put a plastic bag over a person who's already sick from a respiratory illness.
2: I, I and that's you know? my point. And see, I think the trauma is going to be with these hospital people who aren't, they don't benefit from this stuff. The, the, the hospitals do and certain doctors do and certain people do granted, but the nurses and some of these other doctors who just are employees, they're not benefiting monetarily from this. And And also, even if you are benefiting monetarily from this, you just sold your soul um out right i mean this is incredible i mean you sold your soul to the satan to and that that is a um however you want to look at it even if you aren't religious that you can look at it as just a symbology of how awful and how much it's going to destroy your mental sanity i mean my father or my sister's father-in-law died right and I don't think he would have died with proper protocols. And so now how are they going to handle the trauma going forward? They're just one of millions of people going through the same trauma and it's still happening today.
0: Right. And you know, I've got some data and charts and graphs. I don't know if you want to transition to that because it does tie into the medical. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to try to share my screen uh, the way it's supposed to be done here. Okay, Sarah, the first thing I want to show you, this is downloaded a uh, half hour ago from the Centers for Disease Control website for Minnesota, and you live in Minnesota, right?
2: Yes. Yep.
0: Oh, okay. So I always like to show this because the average person doesn't have the slightest notion for their state they live in what the medical establishment and the CDC and the governments are reporting what their claims are for deaths. So the total population of Minnesota, do you have that on the tip of your tongue roughly?
2: I don't know.
0: Well, okay. So so let's just take a look here. Um, Starting in January of this year, the CDC claims 800 COVID deaths, February, 300, 200, up a little bit, 280, down a little bit, June, very few, July, very low, and then August, uh, way up, September, and so forth, and up, 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 up. Now, the natural instinct is to believe when when, some, when numbers are presented on a computer screen to an individual including myself and whomever the natural instinct is to believe what you're being shown but as per the cdc director last night on the national news who admitted to a 75% exaggeration these numbers are completely inflated beyond all belief for example, last month in December, in Minnesota, the establishment claims almost a 1,000 deaths. I would submit to your viewers that the real number is a 100, give or take.
2: Well, the population, I just checked it, the population is almost 6 million. It's 5.7, almost 5.8.
0: Yeah, and that's good to know. So... Even if you believe their numbers, which are, they're totally unbelievable, but even if you accepted them, a thousand deaths, uh, you know, out of 6 million, is, it's concerning, but it's, you know.
2: A hundred deaths is really not any, isn't even statistically significant because we're going to lose those, that number anyways.
0: Right. But and now
2: I... you're saying, I'd like to know how many of those deaths are because of just shitty protocols.
0: Well, and that's a good point. People that are killed by the hospital should be taken out of the COVID bucket. They, they would still be alive today if they hadn't uh, experienced medical uh, malpractice. So that even further makes our case as to pointing out the, the actual number of legitimate human beings who have who who whose life was shortened due to symptoms from an upper respiratory infection in the last, last year so it wasn't 996 it was maybe 100 give or take 50 and in the previous month november it wasn't 850 it was less than 100 give or take a margin of error that's really quite large because the record keeping is so sloppy uh, it wasn't It wasn't 848 in September. In November, it was um, 85 or 90 or 65 or you know, like a 30. You need about a 30 percent margin of error on on this uh, assertion that I'm making. No, you can see for Minnesota. I would say to you, out of six million people, even on these high months. More people died in Minnesota each month this year from diarrhea than COVID. And that's that's the truth.
2: And this is what I found when last year I did a uh, a thing on the CDC, and I realized that there was not a significant excess death amount. But then they went back through. That's why I don't even know if you can believe some of this. It's so hard because they went back through after 100% of reporting, and then change the numbers to match their narrative. So I don't trust any numbers coming out of the CDC. So on top of them cooking the books to match the narrative, they also have this going on. But when it comes to money, they tend to be more careful because they have to pay out on this.
0: Right. If you're going to lie with statistics, you got to do it in a certain way. Otherwise, it's easy to catch them in the lie. But what I'd like to do is leave this slot, leave this display. And I want to go, I want to share a different screen share. Now we're going to just do an abbreviated thing here, but this, uh, ha- this slide shows a lot of my analysis from the, the death certificates.
2: Yeah. As you go through this, please. I have a lot of listeners on audio only. So if you could just kind of describe to what it is so that somebody who's listening on audio could uh, follow along.
0: Okay. All right. So. The slide I'm looking at is the first slide and it says COVID crucial update for New Mexico uh, between March 2020 and March 2021. We're going to go right to uh, some assertions that I'm making, which I'll prove in a moment. New Mexico COVID mortality data, the state and the medical establishment versus reality. Official COVID deaths have been exaggerated by over 85% and how they committed this fraud. And I'm gonna talk for a minute uh, about excess mortality, which is the, the number of total deaths in a given state in a given time frame, which is what epidemiologists use to try to understand the effects of disease in a population. And in New Mexico, the excess deaths from 2019, prior to the so-called pandemic, and 2020, the government claims 3,000 excess deaths. And if you do a proper reconciliation and account for the variables that need accounting for, at most conservatively, you get 500 excess deaths. And then independently, I analyzed all 3,000 death certificates in New Mexico marked COVID and determined that five out of six were bogus. They were just as the CDC director said last night on national news, she admitted to 75% or more of COVID deaths are people with four or more comorbidities. And my analysis shows at least 600% inflation. So five out of six deaths marked COVID on the death certificates, which I read, are bogus. They're people that are extremely elderly, unwell, with uh, um, a chronic disease that came to the hospital to die. They're moribund. They have like one foot in the grave anyway, and COVID had nothing to do with their death. It didn't shorten their life at all.
2: So why do you think the CDC is coming forward now and admitting to some of this stuff? Why do you think, because you also had Pfizer admitting what you said earlier, that their thing doesn't even work. Why do you think they're coming think out now?
0: The, the whole narrative is collapsing and the, the good people in the medical establishment, what, the, the evil people that, uh, that uh, perpetrated this upon the planet, they're still good people that initially succumbed to the bribe, bribery and the threats. But now, two years later, uh, you know you can only run a scam for so long and it starts to come apart.